Section forty of a fair mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A fair mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Section forty. I claim you as my own. I will never release you. I call this a coincidence," said Gregory Leslie, as the studio door opened and a gentleman entered. A strange coincidence. If I had read it in a novel, I should not have believed it. Earle looked up inquiringly as a handsome young man with a clever, artistic face entered the room. Am I a coincidence? inquired the newcomer. I did not say that, but decidedly your coming is one. Mr. Glynlyn, allow me to introduce you, Mr. Moray. The two gentlemen saluted each other with a smile, each feeling attracted by the other's face. Then Mr. Leslie turned to his brother artist. "'It is strange that you should come in just at this moment, Ross. I was telling Mr. Moray how certain you were that you had seen the original of Innocence in Florence.' "'So I did,' replied Ross. "'You may contradict me as much as you like. It is not probable that I should make any mistake.' The lady I saw had precisely the same face as the picture. It was the original herself, or her twin sister. She has no twin sister, said Earle, incautiously. Ah, you know her, then, continued Mr. Glynlyn. I assure you that I made no mistake. Our friend here may make as much mystery as he will. I am amazed that he should give me such little credit. Why should I say it if it were not true? And how could I possibly mistake that face or any other? If you know the young lady, you can in all probability corroborate what I say, namely that she is in Florence. I cannot do so, said Earl, for I am perfectly ignorant of her whereabouts. Then he shook hands with the artist, for it seemed to him every moment spent there was lessening his chance of finding Doris. He would start at once for Florence. It was a frail clue, after all, feeble and weak, yet well worth following. Of course it was a mistake about her being married. She was a governess, not a married lady, yet that mistake seemed to him of very little consequence. The only doubt was that having made one mistake, was it likely that the artist had made another? "'Good-bye,' said Gregory Leslie, in answer to the farewell words of Earl. "'Good-bye. You will let me hear how you get on.' Then he went. He never rested day or night until he was in Florence. Then, exhausted by the long journey, he was compelled to seek repose." he did what was wisest and best in going at once to the best hotel the one most frequented by the english there he made many inquiries there were many english in florence but he did not hear of any young lady who was particularly beautiful the people at the hotel spoke freely enough they discussed every one and everything but he heard no allusion to any one who in the least degree resembled doris when he had rested himself, he began his search in Florence. At first it seemed quite hopeless. He went through the churches, though he owned to himself that he need not hope to find her there. He went almost daily to the principal places of public resort. No evening passed without his going to the opera. But he never caught sight of a face like hers. Once he followed a girl with golden hair all through the principal streets of Florence. When he came nearer to her, he saw that the hair was neither so bright so silky or so abundant as that of doris the girl turned her face it was not the fair lovely face of the girl he worshipped he spent many hours each day in the picture galleries some of the fairest pictures hung before his eyes yet he whose love for art and beauty was so passionate he never even saw them he feared to look at the pictures on the wall lest he should miss one of the living faces he saw many but among them he never saw her he spent a week in this fashion, and then his heart began to fail him. 
it was impossible that she should be in florence or surely before this he must have seen her he wrote to gregory leslie and told him of his failure i am afraid either your friend is mistaken or that she has gone away he said and if she is gone where was he to look next then he bethought himself if he could get an introduction to some of the principal houses in florence then if any party or fate were given he should be sure to see her even in this he succeeded with the help of gregory leslie he was introduced to some of the best houses in florence he met many english he heard nothing of doris people thought he had a wonderful fancy whenever he heard of any english children he never rested until he had seen them some one told him that lady clomel had three nice little girls his heart beat high and fast perhaps doris was the governess doris lived doris lived he armed himself with some pretty sketches and then asked permission to see the little ladies lady clomel was much gratified tell the governess to come with them she said to the servant who went in search of them and earl sat down with a white face and beating heart it was all a waste of emotion when the governess did come she was ugly and grey-haired poor earl he had to endure many such disappointments she is not in florence he said to himself at last i must go elsewhere it was not until the hope was destroyed that he knew how strong it had been the disappointment was bitter in the extreme he woke one morning resolved upon leaving florence the next day the sun was shining the birds singing his thoughts flew to england and the sweet summer mornings when he had wandered through the green lanes and fields with his love his heart was heavy he raised his despairing eyes to the bright heavens and wondered how long it was to last the morning was fair and balmy he thought that the air would refresh him and perhaps when he felt less jaded and tired some inspiration might come to him where to search next so he walked through the gay streets of sunny florence until he came to the lovely banks of the arno the scene was so fair the pretty villa shining through the trees he walked along until he came to a green patch shaded by trees whose huge branches touched the water there he sat down to rest oh thank heaven for that few minutes rest he laid his head against the trunk of a tree and bared his brow to the fresh sweet breeze he had been there some little time when the sound of a woman's voice aroused him the sweet laughing tones of a woman's voice you may leave me it said i shall not run away i shall enjoy a rest by the river dear heaven what voice was it it touched the very depths of his heart and sent a crimson flush to his brow for one short moment he thought he was back again in the woods of quainton then his heart seemed to stop beating then he leaned white almost senseless against the trees then he heard it again do not forget my flowers and remember the box for santanella it is one of my favourite operas au revoir then there was the sound of someone walking down the river bank the rustle of a silken dress the half song half murmur of a laughing voice he saw a shadow fall between himself and the sunshine oh heaven could it be she he drew aside the sheltering branches and looked out there on the bank below him sat a young girl at first he could only distinguish the rich dress of violet silk and black lace then when the mist cleared before his eyes he saw the profusion of golden hair shining like the sun then he went towards her o oh, blessed sky above o oh, shining sun o oh, flowing river o oh, great and merciful heaven was it she nearer and more like the shadow of a coming fate he crept still she never moved she sang of love that was to never die nearer and nearer he could see the white arched neck whose graceful turn he would have recognized anywhere 
nearer still and he laid his hand on her shoulder doris he said she turned quickly round it was she he will never forget the ghastly pallor that came over her face she started up with a dreadful cry earl earl have you come to kill me it was some moments before he could reply earth and sky seemed to meet the ripple of the river was a roar of water in his ears his first impulse had been a fierce one he worn haggard heart-broken she brighter fairer than ever singing on the banks of the sunny arno then he looked steadily at her no he said slowly i have not come to kill you i do not wish to kill you death could not deal out such a torture as your hands have dealt out to me poor earl she said pityingly but the pity was more than he could bear i am sent here he continued by those who have a right to send i do not need pity but she looked into his changed face poor earl she repeated and the tone of her voice was so kind that for one moment he shuddered with dread i must speak to you doris i have been long in finding you earl she interrupted what has brought you here i am not surprised i have always felt that sooner or later i should see you what has brought you here i have something to tell you he replied i would have travelled the wide world over but i would never have returned without seeing you but why of all other places did you think of florence she asked then it seemed to him that she was simply trying to gain time and to avoid what he had to say doris i have come expressly to talk to you why i chose florence matters but little nothing matters between us except what i have to say oh earl she cried i was so tired of brackenside i could not stay never mind brackenside we will not discuss it now will you sit down here doris while i tell you my message she seemed to have no thought of disobeying him silently enough she sat down while he leaned against the tree she was rather hurt to find that so much of her old influence over him seemed to be lost she would have liked him to tremble and blush yet he had not even sought to take her white hand in his own he had not kissed her face nor touched the long golden hair that he had so warmly praised he stood looking gravely at her then he spoke doris he said in the presence of heaven you promise to be my wife i do not absolve you from that promise and until i do so i claim you as my own a hot flush crimsoned his face sudden passion gleamed in his eyes and quivered on his lips i will never release you he cried death may take you from me but of my own free will you shall never so help me heaven be freed from your promise you hear me yes she replied in a low voice i hear as the man you have promised to marry as the man who alone on earth has the right to question you tell me how you are living here now how am i living she replied raising innocent eyes to his face i do not quite understand what you mean i mean precisely what i say with whom are you living and what are you doing for livelihood what a strange question earl i told you i am governess to some little children you swear that before heaven before anything or any one you like she replied indifferently smiling the while to herself end of section forty